0: It's an honor to stand before you today and be back in the pulpit. I've missed you. And I am ready to get back in the book of Hebrews. I look forward and praise God for the price paid on Calvary. You know, he is our hope in life and death. I don't know if you have really, if you've ever heard that. We've sung it a couple times here. Uh, But I want you to really think about the words to that. He is the only hope that we have. King Cyrus of Persia captured a prince and his family. And he took them before the court and said, he asked that prince, if I spare your life, what will you give me? And he says to him, I will give you half of my wealth. He said, what if I spare your child, children, what will you give me? He said, "I'll give you everything that I have." Or I'm sorry, what, he said, "If I spare your life, what or, he asked first, "If I spare your life, what will you give me?" He said, "Half of everything I have. If I spare your children, what will you give me?" He said, "I'll give you everything that I have." He said, "What if I spare your wife?" He said, "I'll give you myself." It so moved King Cyrus so much that he let him go. On the way back to their home, on the way back to their home, the young prince said to his wife, Cyrus was a handsome-looking gentleman, wasn't he? She said, I don't know. I couldn't keep my eyes off the one willing to give his life for me. Brothers and sisters, I come to you this morning to listen to me. And yes, you know I'm an emotional guy. But I want you to understand that as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, we have hope. And it's that eternal hope. And every one of us are capable of anything at any given time. But I can promise you that you fix your eyes upon the cross. And Christ will sustain you. Amen? Please stand with me. We're only going to look at a few verses of Hebrews this morning. We're not going to read the whole thing. You have a bulletin with verses, but I couldn't get past the first three. Now I want you to look what he says in Hebrews chapter 1, or 8, 1 through 3. Now the main point in what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven's a minister in the sanctuary in the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. So it is necessary that this high priest also have something to offer. Now if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are those who offer the gifts according to the law. You may be seated. Now let me give you a little introduction to what's going on. In Hebrews chapter 7, he will say that Christ is a better priesthood. In the beginning of chapter 8, he'll continue that to a little bit. Then he'll say Christ is a better covenant. Now, what we must understand, and we've got to take into context what is going on here. Now, you have heard me say for the past few weeks that we're going through Hebrews that this is a group of believers who come out of Judaism, okay?, and they have those in her ear. They're trying to get him to go back to the sacrificial, uh, uh, sacrificial, if you will, the customs and traditions of the old judicial or the old Jewish system. And, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, "Look, you're better than this." You know who Christ is. This is not a summation of what he said, but an affirmation that Christ is greater than Moses. He is greater than Aaron. He is greater than the angels. He is greater than all. Hold to what we have taught you. And he says, now the main point is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat. I'm going to give you three S's this morning and I want you to write them down because I'm getting a little excited about this. Number one, listen, Christ is seated. You say, "What is is that to get excited about it? I'm going to tell you why that's excited. Because the work is done. That's what it means. Sometimes we don't get into depth in the scriptures to understand what is being said. The work is done. The priest's work was never done. As he would come to the day of atonement or the daily sacrifices for sin, he would pour the blood at the foot of the mercy seat. There were no seats in the temple, none. And what you would understand, the only seat was the mercy seat, and I can promise you, he wasn't allowed to sit on that. God's presence, he seated. Now, I don't know about you, but I know if you've ever studied the Old Testament history that this man did a lot of sacrifices, the priest did. Depending on your status as to what would be sacrificed, of course, a priest would sacrifice a bull, a king, a goat. And you can look up, man, this is great. Bible's cool, people. We just got to read it. And what's amazing about this is even the poor could sacrifice birds, Okay. Now, I want you to think about this. Now, the way they would sacrifice a bird, now bear with me. They would take that bird, take his head and put just a thumb in it and break his neck. <clears throat> then wring it off. Now, we don't understand that the price for sin is blood. But the blood of animals and birds was not enough. See, for me, many years ago, I don't know if some of y'all know this. Most of you may, you may not. But not only am I an electrician, but I'm also a butcher by trade. I learned to cut meat when I was a kid. And Tiffany would tell you, she used to help me do this, I could break down cows and like you wouldn't believe. But I'm getting old. My hands hurt. And I don't do it that much anymore. But the one thing that amazed me is how much of a mess I left when I got through messing with all of those nasty animals. You know, the priest was busy sacrificing continuously he continuously sacrificed a work that had to go on but jesus christ on the cross said to it is finished and he sit at the right hand side of the father do you know what that means do you know what it means to be seated at the right hand side of the father it means power you see, understand when the uh, queen of, uh, of Sheba uh, came to go before Solomon for Adonijah, he met her and offered her a chair on the right side of the throne. It denoted power. Christ has power. And he alone is seated at the right hand side of the father. But you must understand this. And I think sometimes we miss this, but I want you to understand this is very critical. And if you have gone through uh, any of our Sunday school class, what you will see is that in, in, in Christ... With this is beautiful. Okay, this is beautiful. I got to come back down. I had to get a drink of water. We talk about the humanity of Christ. If Jesus wasn't fully human, and he wasn't fully God, then our salvation is in vain. Now understand that when Jesus left heaven, in all of the glory, he took on human likeness. Not a fallen likeness, but a human likeness. And Jesus kept his humanity even when he left this earth. Do you understand that? Jesus left with his humanity in a glorified body. Jesus didn't retransform. His humanity is still humanity in the perfect, perfect form of Jesus Christ. And he sits at the right hand side of the Father. Why do you say that, Jed? Why is that important? Because the Bible tells me in Acts chapter 1, 9 through 11, that his disciples were looking up. He said, why are you looking up? For he that just left is coming back the same way, people. And every eye shall see him on that day. And he sits with power because the work is done on the cross. But let me tell you this. Just because Christ is seated don't mean he ain't, number two, still serving. Do you hear me? He's still busy. Why? Because he intercedes for us. Do you realize that? And it's not just this intercession this says, John messed up, oh Lord. It's not by words that Jesus is making intercession. Listen, it's by wounds. You hear me? It's by the wounds that was paid for on the cross. He intercedes for us. Not only is He interceding continuously, His intercession gives us sustenance. If you believe that Jesus Christ is who He says He is and He has saved your soul, He sustains you. One hundred percent, I want you man, y'all got to get excited about that. Me, y'all killing me. Look. Look. Look, I'm not here to solicit your amens. And whether you clap or whether you say amen or whether you agree or one thing, that's one thing or another. I'm not going to get into that. I'm not there to get your attention. But I'll tell you this knowing who Christ is and what he's done, I want to get you a little bit excited. I don't want to go on a rabbit trail, but I'm going to go on one. If you don't get excited down here, I doubt you're going to get excited in heaven. You know, all those people, like I said, used to complain. I don't like this music. I don't like this. I don't like that. The Bible says they're going to sing a new song. And those who complain about the new song, you know, you got to worry about them. They ain't going to be in heaven anyway. Listen to me. I'm not trying to. Have you ever sat thought, thought, and thought about what Christ has done for you? Jesus says, whoo. Let me tell you something. Every single one of us sitting here deserve hell. Every one of you. Every single one of you. And when I look at the picture of the crucified Christ who finished the work, who was not a human, fully human, a fallen human that had to go back and forth and not only make sins atonement for sins for other people, but had to make him for himself because he was... Do you realize on a side note that Caiaphas, who was the high priest during the trial of Jesus, would be condemning the man who was the high priest? You hear me? And I look at the price paid on Calvary, and I see that not only is he, he has He has placed me in His hand that no man shall pluck out, but I get a little bit excited knowing that when I leave this earth, I'm gonna be in the presence of Jesus Christ. If we got so excited about Christ like we did the Super Bowl, what could we do, people? I went on a tangent. Yes, I run that rabbit, but listen to me. I want you to hear me. If the non believers see we don't get excited about Christ, why would they want to ever know about Christ? time we got a little excited but I want you to look what he says he is seated and he is serving he is a minister in the sanctuary the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched not man now this is a good one bear with me this is a tent pitched by the Lord not man See, if you'll notice, anything been made by man. man will, will do two things. Number one, it will crumble. And number two, it was made by flawed hands. Listen to me. This place is no more holier than the people that make it up. I don't own this. This is not my church. This is where God has placed me to shepherd these beautiful people. And this is where He's given us to meet. Now, are we to be good stewards of what God's given us? Yes. But understand this. Never fall more in love with with what God has given us than you do with the one who gave it to you. This is very important. You see, that's the problem. I was watching this documentary on the Mormon Tabernacle. Beautiful place. Beautiful all these fine little ornaments and everything and all these little decorations. And sometimes I think about churches that we build our cathedrals to God and we forget who we're to be worshiping. And I know that strikes nerves, but I'm going to tell you right now, at the end of the day, it's not God that cares what color carpet we have. No matter who bought what, who purchased what, or who voted for what, What matters is, we were a people who loved Jesus Christ with all our heart, soul, and mind and shared the good news of his son, Jesus Christ, that others may be saved. That's what matters. Again, it's not based on your seating capacity. It's based on your sending capacity that shows success. Are we making disciples? Christ, and that's why, again, I went off in it, but I'm going to reel it back in. Bear with me. Christ is still serving. Brother, isn't it great? Let me tell you what that means, intercede, intercession for me. I get a little excited about this. You see, when I stand before God, there's nothing I can say. Nor you either. All I can do is point to the work of Jesus Christ. Who paid the price for me. And not only does his intercession sustain us, it gives us the number three S it secures us in his presence amen it secures us in his presence because let me tell you where the writer is going with this there was none of you that could enter into the holy of holies in the presence of God only the priest could do that and he was a fallen man you could not enter into the presence of God but because of Jesus Christ Through him, we can enter into the presence of God. Because the Bible tells me in Revelation, for he is our God and we are his people and he will dwell among us. Is that not beautiful? You see, the law was the shadow of what was foreshadowing of what was to come. We talked about it this morning, listen to me. We talked about it this morning about the humanity and deity of Christ. And we talked about the law. You see, no matter what anybody says, there is no work salvation. You cannot work to make yourself holy before God. Now, some people would disagree with that. That's fine. But they're wrong. For it is by grace we have been saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. For the Bible says, for we are Christ's workmanship, created in him to do good works. You don't work to get to Christ. You work because you are Christ's. That's why I get a little bit excited. You see, the Bible tells me, look. For every, listen, verse 3. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. So it is necessary that this high priest also have something to offer. He does. That's security to go before God Almighty through Christ. We call this a priest to the believers. Now you're going to hear me get on this again. I don't have to go to a man mediator to go to God. I don't need to close myself in a box. I don't need to go to to some restaurant to confess everything I have so he can go to God before me. The Bible says that I can go to God through his son Jesus Christ. And you know what? You can too. Because everything else was a foreshadowing. What other gift did he offer up? Listen to this very clearly. He offered himself the true sacrifice. The true sacrifice, that the blood of animals could not cover my brothers and sisters, but the blood of Jesus is sufficient for all. We got to get excited about that. That's what he's saying. Listen to me. Here's an old song I I just don't like, and y'all may like it. I'm going to get carried away when I get carried away. Man, I'm going to get carried away now. And y'all may laugh at me or say Chad's gone crazy, but you know what? I know whom I have believed in and I am persuaded that he is able. And he will keep me. And he will stain me because he's seated, because the work is done. He is serving because he intercedes for me. And he has secured me into the presence of his Father. I want to tell you something. How beautiful heaven must be Do you realize that heaven's so beautiful you don't need no sun because God is the light? Do you realize it's the best part that man has only been able to see a glimpse of God's glory a glimpse of glory but the Bible tells me in Matthew, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That because of Christ's death on the cross, I'm going to see God in all His glory in heaven. Do you realize that? That I'll be before Him no longer a glimpse, but because of the death of Christ, and my faith and trust in Him, that God's light is enough. And there's no need for the sun. You know, I, you, know I would, I would, I, you know so many people have such a skewed version of heaven. Walk through a cemetery and read epitaphs. I'm plowing the fields with Jesus. I'm catching that large mouth with the Savior. You know, here's the problem, people. We've created heaven in our own vision. I've mentioned to you this poem. We've done it so much. Rudyard Kipling wrote a poem called The Envoy. When life's final picture is painted and the tubes are twisted and dried, when the oldest color has faded and the youngest critic has died, we shall rest. In faith we shall need it lie down for an eon or two until the master of all good workmen set us to work in you. And those that were good shall be happy. They shall sit in a golden chair and brush in a ten-league canvas with brushes of comet's hair. And there'll be real uh, saints to draw from, Magdalene, Peter, and Magdalene, Peter, and Paul. And we shall work for an age of a sitting and never be tired at all. And only the Master will praise us and only the Master will blame, and nobody will work for money, nobody will work for fame, but each for the joy of working, each in his own separate star, shall draw the things as he sees them for the God of things as they are. Oh, that's pretty, isn't it? And it's unbiblical. You know what I want to see when I get to heaven? I want to see Jesus. And that's something that should excite us all. Because I can tell you this, by studying these scriptures, now you see why I got hung up on the first three verses. That because he's my great high priest, ain't that great, Patrick, that Jesus says, they're not guilty because of me. not guilty because Christ died for us. That guilt, that wrath that you deserve, Christ is not guilty because of the blood shed on Calvary. And I'm going to tell you something people, listen to me. Take into context and back, back, back in your minds think about how these people that this writer's talking to their tradition has been over a thousand years of practicing sacrificial system. And now he's telling a few people that held to their, held to their faith to press on. Now, here's the thing. This message I'm sharing with you, with you, we're not under persecution. We live in a free country where you can worship however you want to worship. These people are under Persecution. But the same writer would tell them a couple of chapters earlier, but I believe in you because you're holding unswervingly to that faith. Guys, I want to encourage you to do it too. And and I I want the church of Christ to get excited. And I'm not talking about a denomination. I praise God. You better listen to this one. Hear me. I don't know where you're from, I don't know who your daddy is. I don't care what country you're from. I don't care what color you are. All of you who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, listen to me, you're my brothers and sisters. And this is not my church. This is God's place that He has given us. And let me tell you something, this is a foreshadowing. Praise God, we worship together here today, but there's going to be a time of endless worship. So if you've got a problem now, you in deep, dark, serious problems. And I know this upsets people. And I've preached a many times where alarms would go off left and right. I promise you, we'll be praise cathedral to the restaurant by 30 minutes. Okay? So bear with me. But listen, I'm not trying to be keeping listen to me. Where's the excitement? Where is the excitement to know that I come in fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ? For an hour. I bet tonight most people will watch a playoff game for three and a half. But I can tell you this: the Bible tells me that in the presence of heaven there's going to be continual endless worship. I love it, because I can promise you this: I want to see Jesus. I want to see the man who's seated because the work is done. I want to see the man who served and sustained me. And I want to see and worship the man who has secured me into the presence of God Almighty through his blood on the cross. It is finished, people. And I pray you get a little excited about that. And I want you to understand, look, I'm not trying to get on nobody. Again, you can cut cartwheels down the aisle and be just as impure as anybody else sitting there. No, I'm being serious here. Saying amen, that's why I say that. Well, Saying amen, waving your hands. It don't make you righteous. You hear me? It does not make you righteous. What makes you righteous Listen, it's not by your own doing, people. It's by the person and work of Jesus Christ. But I tell you right now, I'll raise my hand to the one who deserves all the glory because he's worthy of all praise. So I want to close with this. Do you understand that he's seated? Do you understand that he sustains Do you understand that through Him, that that men did every day for sacrificial work, to try to mediate between men and God, that Christ done once and for all? And that that we couldn't see God, now we can see God when we enter into heaven. Because the Bible tells me He will dwell among His people. Do you know what that means? He's going to dwell among His people. know about you, but a lot of times I complain about my earthly tent. But it goes back to show you, listen, that that tent pitched by God is not built by human hands nor set on earthly foundation, but it's been pinched by the unblemished pure, holy, righteous God and has not been tarnished by human hands. I want you to understand the real realization of this. The only man-made thing in heaven is the holes in Jesus' hands and feet. You realize that? His scars are the only things. But because of those scars, the price was paid. And I want to give this to you this morning. Think, think with me. And I'm not going to ask everybody to bow their heads. I want everybody to hear me, please. Do you know today that if you walked out that door and it was your last day on this earth that you would be in the presence of Jesus Christ? Don't try to convince me. Don't try to convince any of us. It's like you're here all alone and nobody's around you. Listen, your soul is important to me. I don't go home, and my wife will tell you, listen, like that one guy said before that was a preacher, I didn't want to do this. This is not what I wanted to do. And I'm not trying to say, woe is me, or trying to put myself, I'm nothing. But your souls matter to me. And it's not about where you go to church. It's not whether you've been baptized or whether you had a bargain with God. It's not whether you've prayed seven times. It's not what you do. Let me explain this to you. To understand what the writer is saying here, you have to understand what Christ's done for you. That is critical. And when I tell you today, do you know that if you left this earth today, you would be in His presence? Well, Chad, I prayed when I was a kid. A lot of people pray. Well, I've gone to church. I've gone to some of the holiest places in the world. You heard what I said. Church is no more holier than the people that make it up. Chad, my grandpa, and grandma were great godly people. I know all the languages, I know the works, I know the Bible. Let me tell you something. Before I got saved, I knew the Bible too. I taught Sue Sunday school classes and sung in the choir. It's not that you know Christ. Listen to me. Does Christ know you? Do you know today? Chad, you always push this. I'm going to tell you this. I'll continue to push it as long as I'm pastor here. Or if somebody runs me off and I'll push it somewhere else. But I want you to understand very clearly I care about your soul. And I can promise you that every one of you are going to die. It may be today. It may be tomorrow. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but what I do know is we're all going to die. Well, Chad, I got the whole life in front of me. Man, I'm young. I got, let me tell you something. I was sharing this the other night with a small group, I think. I've been to so many places. But a lot of the people that I went to school with died before they were 25 years old. Death is not no discrimination, has no discrimination. You know, there's not any of us woke up that's had cancer and say, well, tomorrow I think I'll get it. Woo, praise God. It's going to be all right. Life comes at us fast, people. And it's certain that death will come too. And I don't know when you're going to leave this world, but I can promise you, you can know how you leave it. Now, here's the good news. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. Now, what does that mean? That means you cry out to God to mercy, and he'll give it to you. That means when you cry out to Jesus that your want-to's change, that your direction changes. This is Chad speaking Greer Indian. I was going this way. But because of my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, now I'm going this way. You must change directions. You see, understand this: that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That that you did not deserve, Christ shed on Calvary. He paid the price. We call it perpetuary atonement. Somebody had to take the wrath of God and he did it and become your substitute. The wrath of God was poured out upon him. And if you will call upon his name and put your faith and trust in the person and the work of Christ, he will save you. And that's why I get a little excited. When I talk about Christ, will sustain me, because you know what? There's going to be a time in my life. Listen, that people ain't gonna like me. It grows greater and greater every day. But I am to live my life for the sake of one, and God will take care of the rest. Who do you live your life for? Have you placed your faith and trust in Him? And I'm not saying if you said some prayer because the good preacher signed your Bible. I got my name signed too, or I got somebody's name signed in my Bible and I was lost as last year's Easter eggs. Salvation is a change. For Jesus Christ said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Which means if you're a born again believer in Jesus Christ, You're a born-again believer. And let me encourage you something. People, listen to me. Listen. If you're a born-again believer, get a little excited. Because you know what? I may lose my car. I may lose my house. If I live long enough, I may lose people that love me. That's all around me. Some of you have experienced that now. But that same Jesus Christ that saved you will sustain you. And His mercies are great. You may be here today, listen, and you're a Christian struggling. Listen to me. You may have lost a loved one. You may have sickness in your family. Your marriage may be in shambles. Your kids may have abandoned you. But let me tell you something. You cling unswervingly to the cross for He that promised is faithful. And you never give up and you keep praying because he's faithful. I promise you, I could not walk a step without Christ. You remember the illustration I give, uh, give to you about King Cyrus and the love that his wife seen that he was willing to give his life for her? That's the way you should look at Jesus Christ because he did give his life for you. And he will hold you unswervingly he is unswerving, so we should faithfully be unswerving. Listen, I'm going to have to put a cooler up here. Listen to my heart here, please, for a minute. I wish every one of you in this building good health. I pray your jobs go well I pray that God continues to use you in a mighty way I pray that all obstacles that come before you that you'll conquer with ease But I cannot help, in closing of this sermon, thinking about the three S's that Christ has given me, to close with this illustration. You see, last week, as I was not here and Pastor Steve had preached, he preached on Joshua. Joshua. And he talked about Joshua, and then we had some technical difficulties, and I didn't hear a lot of it. But then all of a sudden, it popped in my mind as we've been going through this. And I shared Wednesday about the allotment of land that would be spoken of in Joshua chapter 14. You see, remember, two people entered into the promised land, Joshua and Caleb, okay? Now, Caleb, he would get his allotment first because he's from the tribe of Judah. But Caleb didn't pick the most simplest part of the land, did he? He stands before Joshua and says, give me my mountain. Eighty-five years old. And he still believed God was faithful in his promises. Give me my mountain. Which means this, people. In this life, you will have trouble. But because of Jesus Christ, he will give you his peace. And I wish and pray that every one of your lives stay remotely calm. But I can promise you they're not. I can't promise you that you'll all have a great, wonderful afternoon at least. But what I can promise you is the security that you have in God through his son Jesus Christ tells me I have a better home. Christ seated at the right hand throne of God shows me that I have a great intercessor that holds me in his hand. And what that tells me, look, no matter what this world throws at me, I can boldly say, give me my mountain in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you do. God, I pray that we be encouraged, just like the Jews of old who had converted out of the system of sacrifices to put their faith and trust in Him who was the ultimate, complete sacrifice. That, God, we hold unswervingly to the faith that we possess, for He that promised is faithful. God, I pray today that if there is one here that does not have that peace to understand that the work is complete, that the job was done on the cross, and they can cry out to mercy to You, O Lord, and You are faithful and just and will give it, that God, You convict their hearts. God, if this church exists, that only one person repent it, then, Lord, it is worth it. But, Lord, we believe that you have called us to do more. And we don't know who will be saved, but, Lord, what we do know is we'll share the good news, the means by which men will be saved. God, I pray today that, Lord, those that are struggling, no matter what battle they're going through, that just like Caleb, they hold unswerving to that faith for knowing you are faithful in your promises. And you will sustain us. God, we are mere human beings that are flawed and fallen. But because of our faith and trust in you, we are changed. And Lord, your intercessory, your sustenance holds us until the end. And God, it is a great peace to know that I can lay my head down at night and know that I have a secure place with my Father. God, I pray the Lord, you move amongst us. The Lord, you cleanse hearts. You restore lives. The Lord, when we walk down the street, we get a little bit excited. When we at home and wake up with new breath in our lungs, we get a little bit excited. When we come into fellowship with your people and we see those children walk in, we get a little bit excited. When we come in and we hear those babies cry, there may be a distraction. We get a little bit excited, because that's the next group of people that's growing up that'll hear the word of God. And God, when we have trials and tribulations, come our way, no matter what it may be, then we get a little bit excited. We don't get excited or rejoice in the trial, but we rejoice in who walks with us through the trial. Lord, I believe you're able. And I believe you're faithful. And God, I thank you for your son Jesus, the great high priest. Not a priest that had been made by human hands but by the great high priest who offered himself a ransom for the many. We love you and we praise you. And all God's people said, I pray that you stand and join us. Sing with us, please.